0: to first Peter chapter number five. Uh we on last week uh we came to you from this fifth chapter of first Peter uh and asked in from the subject matter casting your care on Jesus and how important it is to learn how to cast your cares upon the Lord. Amen. Uh as we looked at this passage we see here um in verse number one, the first Peter chapter five, and we'll read a few verses that are following and jump on into the scripture text. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Um, skip down with me, if you will, to verse number 10, and we'll fill in the blanks in between. It says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that we have, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever. And ever, Amen. How many of you know that that part in there about after that you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, strengthen you, settle you? How many of you know that most Christians don't like that after you suffered a while? <laughs> most of us don't look forward to suffering, do we? Anything? Most of us don't wake up in the day, let me see what I can suffer today. <laughs> we don't. As a matter of fact, most of us try to avoid any type of suffering, right? Uh, we try to avoid any type of pain. But I'm going to tell you something what I've learned in my 55 years here on this planet, soon to be 56 years, is that uh, all pain ain't bad. As a matter of fact, those in the medical profession will tell you that pain gives you an indicator that something is wrong in your body. Is that right? Pain Indicates that something is abnormal and it causes you to go in and investigate Amen. man what's causing the pain because it could be something that's very serious. It could be something that's very deadly. And if that pain never arose, you would never know that you have something matriculating in your body that can kill you, but maybe it could have easily been uh, 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 healed uh, with proper medical attention. Am I right about it? And so uh, so all pain, I, I think that same analogy takes place in the life of a believer. All the pain that we may have in our life, it's not always all, t- all the time bad. Because if, if you're like me, uh, I think most of y'all can admit that there's some pain, painful situations that we've been through that cause us to learn some things that we would otherwise not have ever learned. Am I right about that? There are some situations that we went through, that God had to allow us to go through because had we not went through that, our perspective wouldn't be where it is today. Amen. So he says, after that you suffer a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So we're talking about care, casting your cares upon Jesus. Now again, on last week, we talked about the fact that as, as Peter writes this, he writes it to the elders, which are among you, those spiritual leaders. And I told you on last week, we start off by saying there's some characteristics of good leaders in the church that we need to make a special note of. Okay? So we said number one, that good leaders they realize they are caring for God's flock and not their own. Y'all remember that? Good leaders recognize whatever level they're on, that they recognize that they're caring for God's flock and not their own. And again, we told you that the image of a flock is often used in the Bible to describe God's people. And we gave you some of the characteristics of sheep, right? We're not going to repeat those, but if you got those, just just make a middle note of those and realize that we are compared to sheep. Uh, But he tells us in verse number two, look what he tells the leaders, the elders in verse number two again, popped it up. It says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, okay? Uh, Not by fulfilled to Luke, but of a ready mind. Let's go to the New Living Translation of this very same uh, passage of Scripture. He said in the KJV, he's taking the oversight there. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. I shared with you on last week. Whatever you do for the Lord, please have the proper mindset when you're doing that. Don't ever get into a, 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 a position where you're doing stuff grudgingly. God looks at how we do what we do. Amen. And so this text says, watch over it willingly. That means that willingly uh, tells you how to watch. Willingly is, ends with L-Y. It is what? An adverb. It tells you how to do the verb. You watch willingly. Amen. Uh, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Now, again, I share with you, this is a delicate balance here because the, the leader, the elder, the pastor, uh, the overseer is among the people, yet at the same time, Scripture says he's over them. And some people have a hard time distinguishing or respecting that person who is among you, but at the same time, they're over you. You know, this, this not only, uh, uh, bears itself out from a pastoral standpoint, but it can go, say, for instance, if someone is teaching a Sunday school class, all right, that person in the Sunday school class is no better than the students from a, from a, from a human standpoint, right? And God loves the, the student as well as he does the teacher, right? But at the same time, even though the teacher is among you at the same level, you got to respect the fact that the teacher is over the class, right? right. And so sometimes there are some students who don't respect the fact that the teacher is over the class, and so they try to take over the class. Can I get with it? Y'all know those kind of folks? Hey, Amen. They're not teaching it, but, but they, they try to teach the class. So you got to learn to respect the one who's in that position of authority. And so it is with a pastoral position, even though the pastor is among you, he's, he's a man just like you are, uh, but at the same time, he's over you so you got to be able to differentiate that. So, again, the first thing we told you was what? Uh, good leaders, they, they realize they're caring for God's flock and not their own. The second thing we told you was what? They lead out of an eagerness to serve, not out of obligation. They, good leaders lead out of an eagerness to serve and not out of what? Obligation. Not out of obligation. That B. Paul says not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to to serve. Amen. God, you want to serve God. When you serve God by serving people. The third thing we said was good leaders are concerned for what they can give, not for what they can what? Get good leaders are not concerned about what they're going to get, but what they can give. And fourthly, we said they lead by example and not by what force they lead by example and not by force. Let me say something here. All of us I said with you last week. Lead others in some way. Well, whatever our role may be, our leadership should reflect these characteristics that we talked about here. So all of us lead in some capacity. Now, uh, one thing I want you to look at. Let's skip down, if you will, to verse number. Uh, start, we'll start at verse number. Verse number five. Go to verse number five with me, right quick. It says what? Well, in the same way. You younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility for God opposes the proud, but he favors whom he opposes the proud. Right. But he does what he favors humble. The KDV says God resisted the proud. Now, again, when when we say this, understand we're, we're talking about sinful pride. You ought to be proud of certain things in your life and maybe things that you've accomplished and proud of where you came from and all those type of things, proud of your children. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about sinful pride. Sinful pride is that is that is that feeling of that rises up within an individual. What that individual says that I know more than God. What an individual says that you can't tell me nothing. And we have people in the church who you cannot tell anything. And so that pride rises up and that pride goes before destruction and a high or haughty spirit before a fall. Right. Anytime you find someone walking in pride, watch out because destruction is coming their way. So, again, we got to make sure that we are, 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 are not walking in pride. So he says in the same way, you young men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility for God opposes the proud but he favors the humble, humble six, seven, and eight. Let's go. So humble yourselves. If we know God resist the proud, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Who will do the lifting? Listen, child of God, whatever position you find yourself in, quit trying to lift your own self up. He says here, humble yourself. So humble yourself. So let me ask you a question. Uh, humility comes by God humbling us or we humbling ourselves based on this. Based on this, it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. If somebody has to make you, a man submit or make you uh, follow, then you're not really operating in the spirit of humility, right? The text says, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So, we, as individual believers, have to put ourselves, amen, under subjection to God's leadership in the church. And, and guys, when you learn how to do that, when you learn how to submit to God's leadership, then you learn how God God at that point in time will lift you up at, and give you honor at the appropriate time. Can I get a witness? So, so uh, look down with me, again, go to verse 789, because I want you to, be watchful. The next point I want you to just jot down is this Be watchful because you have an enemy. Everybody say, Be watchful because I have an enemy. See, if I'm going to be effective in casting all of my cares upon the Lord, and I know that He cares for me, one of the things I have to recognize is that the enemy is going to, going to try to manipulate my life, my situations, and my circumstances to get my eyes on the circumstance and the situation and get my eyes off of God who's able to take care of my situations and my circumstances. That's his job, to to remove our focus off of God's word, to remove my focus off of what was preached on Sunday, to remove my focus off of uh, what I'm learning on Wednesday night Bible class, what I'm learning in Sunday school, what I'm learning in men's ministry, women's ministry. He wants to get my focus off of that and get it on the circumstance, Okay. So be watchful, you have an enemy. Look at verse 7 says, ready to read, it says what? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. That means give them, cast all of them, he says, cast all of your cares about him, for he cares for you. So casting implies that I have a, a part to play in this. God does not come and just take our burdens. Are you listening to me today? The text says, give all your worries and cares to God. If you choose to keep them, guess what God's going to do? He's going to allow you to keep them. If you choose to sit up and worry about stuff when you don't have to, guess what? You're going to sit up and worry about stuff when you don't have to. The process of casting involves knowing that he's able to take whatever I have. Are you listening to me today? Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you, one of the reasons we have cares again is because we have an enemy. As the serpent, Satan deceives; he's a deceiver. In other words, he doesn't come uh, all the time bold and bra- in, a, in a brash type manner. He comes in a deceptive way. Go with if you will to Second Corinthians the eleven chapter, of verse number three. Second Corinthians 11 chapter, and let's look at verse number three real quickly. Second Corinthians eleven, verse number three. Are you still tracking with me today? I would love nothing more as a pastor. I would love nothing more than to know that every one of the members of this church have learned how to to release their problems and their cares and their situation over to Jesus. And that you are living a carefree life, living a life where you're not worried about anything. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us be careful for nothing. Be over anxious or worried about nothing, but in everything through prayer, supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which does what passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So so if I am worrying about stuff, then that means that I do not have. The proper mindset as it relates to how I should approach the stuff that I'm worrying about, because God clearly says that that we don't have to worry. Does that mean that we won't face some tough stuff? That does not mean that we won't face some tough stuff. Tough stuff will come to our to, to our hearts and our minds. But when we learn how to properly cast it our cares upon Jesus, we don't have to worry. I said we don't have to worry. We can live a worry-free life. Are oh, y'all listening to me today? All right, so watch this. He says, but I fear that, I tell you what, back at the verse one of 2 Corinthians the uh, eleventh chapter, verse one, Paul writing here says, I hope, you will put, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. Paul says, bear with me, my father. Now, as, as I kind of share with you a little bit, verse number two, watch, watch this. For I am jealous for you, with the jealousy of God himself, I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. Now, what Paul was saying here in his apostolic authority, he 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 cared for and he had oversight of the Corinthian church. And he says that I, I promise you to the to the bride who is Christ. In other words, I promise you to the groom who's Christ. You amen. the Corinthian church are like the bride. And I'm, I, by, by virtue of my ministry, a lot of you were birthed into the kingdom, and I want to make sure that I present you properly to Christ Jesus, the, the bridegroom, okay? says, so, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve, watch this, was deceived by the cunning ways of whom? Just as Eve was what? Deceived by the what? Cunning ways ways of the serpent. Verse 4, let's read it. It says what? You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you receive or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. Verse 5, but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things? Now again, what he's saying is that there are these guys who the Corinthian church was thinking very highly of. Remember, in the first letter, we found out that the Corinthian church was, because of their immaturity, were following high different personalities and different characters. And and so I've told you before, it is a dangerous thing for anybody to start following a man or a personality rather than following Jesus, because if you get to, if if you only listen to your favorite preacher. Like, listen. I hope, as your pastor, I'm one of your favorite preachers, okay? And you come here every week to listen to me expound the scripture. Hopefully, uh, I'm saying something that resonates with you. But, but even with that, don't don't ever get to the point to where you looking at me. Look at the God in me. Are you following me? Don't ever get to the point to where where you because a person has a big name, a big church, a big following that you swallow everything that they say hook, line, and sinker, hook, line, and sinker without following up in the scripture to see if those things that they're telling you are actually so. Are you with me today? Paul says, "But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things." Verse six, rest what? I may make, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. Paul says, I may not be able to articulate those phrases and rhyme it and diamond like those brothers who 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 you are following. But guess what? I know what I'm talking about. See, so there are a lot of people who are eloquent oratorical speakers. And when you hear them get up, I mean, they, they got the gift of gab and they can say it and, and get people up on their feet. But what are they talking about? Is what they're saying lining up with scriptural principles? Okay, he says, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Let's keep reading. He says what was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? Watch this. I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. Now, why did Paul not receive anything from this church? Why? Somebody help me. Why didn't he receive anything from from Corinth? Okay. Because you're you're on track there, What The problem was there were some who had accused him of preaching and having apostolic authority just for the money. And so what Paul says is, listen, I tell you what, since some of y'all thinking is twisted, I'm not going to receive any financial support from you uh, because I don't want to, I don't want my receiving the support, even though he says in 1 Corinthians 9 chapter, I have the right to, I'm not going to receive it because your mind is not right. All right. So he says, I robbed other churches. In other words, I got support from other churches, amen, so that I could serve you at no cost. In other words, Paul knew that he had to live, right? And those who were among his ministry servants uh, had to, had, many of them had families that they were following Paul as he went about doing, doing apostolic work. So the, the families of those who were supporting him in ministry had to be fed also, right? How many of y'all know preachers' kids eat food too? <laughs> Amen. Uh, and so, so what, what Paul was saying is that I rob other churches by accepting their contribution, so I could serve you at no cost. All right. So so again, what he's what he's saying here is is my mindset as a leader is to make sure that the gospel gets to Brenda where it needs to get to. And I don't want to allow anything to hinder the spread of the gospel. And guys, that's the way we should be in our walk with the Lord. We shouldn't want anything in our life. That's going to prevent us from being able to articulate what we know and about our salvation and be able to share with someone who we're in relationship with, who we're going to school with, who we live in the neighborhood with, who we work with. We don't want anything in our life that's going to hinder us from being able to share our faith with that person. So Paul says, "Listen, listen, I'm Paul said, I'm so dialed in. That 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 I'm not going to let anything stop that. As a matter of fact, Paul said at one point when I'm basically I'm when I go to the Jews, I'm going to be as the Jews, so that I can reach the Jews with the gospel. If it calls for me to not eat meat, I won't eat meat. If it calls for me not to, if it calls for me to wear this, I'm gonna wear this, so that I can reach that person I'm trying to reach. All right, that's the kind of leaders we need in the church today. Now get back with me. Let's go back, if you will. Uh, to to First Peter the fifth chapter, okay. So, but one of, again, one of the reasons we have cares is because we have an enemy, and so Satan deceives, amen. He's and 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 he deceives, but he's also he walks around as a roaring lion, lion as as a, as a serpent. He deceives as a lion. He devours. Right. The word Satan means adversary. Everybody say adversary. It means adversary, and the word devil means the accuser or the slanderer. The devil is always running up because he does have access to the heavenly realm. And what he does is he goes up and accuses us before the Lord. But guess what? We have a, a, a perpetuator of our sins seated right there on the, on the right hand of the father in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who every time he comes and accuses us, Jesus says, my blood covered that. Can't get a witness. He says, "My blood covered that. My blood covered that." Amen. So, so the recipients of this letter in First Peter, amen, had already experienced the tax of the slander, amen, and now they they they're going to meet the line in their fiery trials that they're about to go through, amen. So, but again, look at First Peter five and eight again. It says, "Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around." Like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, now listen to me carefully. Lions, and you've heard me say this before. Lions attack sick, young, or straggling animals. They choose victims who are alone or who are not alert. How many of y'all ever watched the National Geographic Channel when they show you know the animals out in the in, in the in the wild kingdom, and then they may show a lion or a leopard sneaking up on the antelopes. Like poor antelope, they, they're fast, but sometimes they're not paying attention. And then those things just pounce on them. And generally what they do is they pounce on the one who's who's alone, away from the crowd, the one who's maybe has an injury or is sickly and not very strong, and they go out and they pounce on them. Peter warns us to watch out for Satan when we are suffering or persecuted. Because, again, when you're going through something or you're facing persecution, what the enemy will do is come and begin to speak in your ear. How many of have had friends speak in your ear? How many of have had friends be used by the devil to try to get you to think in a way that's contradicted to your faith walk? The enemy will use whoever he can, whoever he can influence to bring some junk to you. And what we gotta make sure that we we don't we don't uh uh we don't yield to that. To that type of situation. But he looks for those who are feeling alone. Those who are weak. Those who are helpless. Those who are cut off from other believers. Amen. Uh, th- those who are so focused on their problems that they forget to watch out for danger. Amen. And, and at those times we are especially vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Amen. Uh, go with me right quick to James the fourth chapter verse number seven. Watch what it says here. During times of of suffering we need to seek other spiritual Christians for our support. Don't ever isolate yourself when you're going through. And guys, that's, that's one of the things that many times Christians will do when they're suffering or going through something. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe, maybe it's, you've been disappointed by uh, someone in the church. Or maybe, maybe you're having problems with your marriage. Or maybe you are struggling with an addiction or something. What most believers will do is they'll pull back and isolate themselves. Don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. And so what what, what, that's, what that does is, is put you in a position where the enemy can attack you because he loves to come after, amen, sheep that are away from the fold, Sheep that are not paying attention to what the shepherd is saying and you make yourself vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Let's go, if you will, and back up to verse number five. Let's, let's start at verse five of James chapter number four. It says, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the, the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? Verse six. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Verse seven. Let's read. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will what? Resist the devil. And he will do What? Resist the devil. And he will do what? Keep your eyes on Christ and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, let me say something right quick. Satan tempts us in three forms. So, you want to Write these down. He tempts us in three forms because we need to be aware of the strategy of the enemy. We need to be aware of how he's trying to work on us. All right. He tempts us in three forms. First of all, as the subtle serpent, everybody say subtle. And I don't want to insult your intelligence, but subtle is spelled S-U-B-T-L-E. Amen. All right. As the subtle serpent, that's the first form. OK, this is when he comes sneakily by dulling our senses, perverting our judgment and stimulating our imagination. Okay. Again, remember, as the subtle serpent, he 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 comes sneakily by dulling our senses. Now, what does it mean to have your senses dull? Brittany, help me out. If you say, if I say your senses are dull, what does that mean to you? Talk to me. Okay. So you're not as focused on it. When your senses are dull, you're not as alert. Okay. You're not you're not necessarily looking for it. Uh, the enemy to come uh in in some shape form or fashion am I right about that all right and so 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 our senses can get dull uh, uh then, then our 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 judgment becomes perverted in other words it's not it 's not normal it 's not right and then it he comes and stimulates our imaginations in other words, when my senses get dull i 'm not alert then what happens is uh he begins to pervert my judgment, and then all of a sudden, he starts to stimulate my imagination. Whereas that thing that I used to think was, 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 uh, uh, was terrible and ho- uh, and it's horrible, now all of a sudden, because my senses are dull, my judgment has become uh, perverted, and now he's stimulated my imagination. Now I'm thinking about doing that thing that five years ago I, I, I declared I'd never do. Right? I need to see the hands of anybody here who's ever said something or did something that you made a proclamation that you would never do. Anybody in the house? There there, there are some things that that you said uh, since you've been saved that, man, that ain't me. I'm I'm not ever going there. But because your senses got dull, because your judgment was perverted, and because your imagination was stimulated by the enemy and your flesh, Now, all of a sudden, you imagine in doing something that you never would have done or you you said you never do. Right. Can I get a witness? Because imagination is a strong thing because you you start to think and start to see stuff, even when it comes to buying stuff. Okay. now, now the enemy will (laughs) the enemy will use all kinds of tricks to get you to a point to where. You, you, you're you not thinking straight, okay? Because he knows that's a gateway into getting you to not act straight, okay? So he, number one, he he comes in the form of a subtle serpent, just kind of sneakily dulling our senses, uh, perverting our judgment and stimulating our imagination. The second way he comes, listen to this carefully, he comes as an angel of light, as an angel of light. Everybody say angel of light. This is when he comes... To deceive us with false views of spiritual things amen bringing religion rather than personal relationship and presuming on the providence and the grace of God in other words you know when, when he told Jesus on the, uh, in Matthew the fourth chapter jump off this clip because God gonna give angels charge over you remember he came and tempted Jesus Matthew the fourth chapter three on three occasions the enemy came, to try to get Jesus to do something that Jesus had committed he would never do. Let's go there that right there, Matthew 4th chapter, hurry, hurry. Y'all know this, but I want you to see it again, okay? Because ultimately, guys, if we're going to be the type of leaders that God wants us to be, we're going to have to learn how to resist temptation, because the enemy's going to come at us real strong, right? Um, start in verse number one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. The text says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus said, responding, The Scripture says, or the said, It is written, You must not test the Lord your God. Okay? Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, again, again, y'all have heard this a thousand times. Guys, if Jesus had to use scripture to combat the temptation of the devil, what about you and I? What do you think about you and I, our ability to ward off temptations without a spiritual foundation or a scriptural foundation? Guys, we are hopeless. We, we are hopelessly at a disadvantage if we don't know what is written, because the Word of God, the Scripture, has the ability, guys, to 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 uh, to to gear us up and to strengthen us to the point where we can ward off the temptations of the enemy setting our way. All right. So, so again, the devil is going to come. All of us are going to be tempted. Your temptation may be different than mine, but it's going to come. Temptation itself is not sin, but it's yielding to this sin, right? All right, so the enemy's going to come. He's going to come as a subtle serpent. He's going to come as an angel of light, okay? And thirdly, he's going to come as a roaring lion. This is when he comes to bear us, you know, to, to, to bear down on us, to, to destroy us by some violent opposition, by, by persecution and by death. He'll come in a strong, a violent uh, way to try to disrupt what God is doing in your life. Amen? Peter goes on in this passage, in this fifth chapter of 1 Peter to give the, his readers some instructions to help them get victory over their adversary. So let me give you some 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 things, two or three things that will help you to get victory over your adversary. Because if I'm going to cast all of my cares on the Lord, then that means I'm going to have to learn how to deal effectively with the enemy because the enemy is going to come to, to try to change my thinking, to try to get me in a, in a state of depression, to try to get me to think that, that war is me, that nobody likes me, that, that I can't do this, that I don't have the strength to do this, I don't have the power to do this. Let me tell you right now, if you are saved and born again, you have the power of God abiding on the inside of you and you have the capacity to stand against the walls of the enemy. Every last one of you in here have the ability to to stand strong. And, and listen, I don't care how many times you fail in the past, if you will just make up in your mind and listen, God, I'm going to yield my will to yours, I'm going to humble myself and subject myself to the teaching of your word and allow that to govern my decision. And guys, you, you're going to be all right. That along with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be all right. Watch this now, watch this. Verse number nine, let's read this right quick. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Because again, as he write this text, as he writes this letter, they were facing intense persecution, Stacey, because of their stand for Christ. And let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever had somebody uh, talk about you or try to come against you because of your faith? Anybody? Have you had any family members kind of dog you out because... You, you think you're all spiritual. Usually that's where it comes with a lot of us, family members who who maybe even be in church but not really growing in their faith and then you start to try to tell them what the word of God says and then they start to get, they get a little bit uh, perturbed with you. They get a little bit angry and, and, and become anxious when you, when you are around. But I'm going to tell you something. One of the things I've discovered is if you live for Christ, and have a standard to where you don't violate that, even though they may not like you, they'll respect you. They may not want you to come over to their house when the gathering is, come, is jumping off. Huh? Because they know, you know, they don't want to be hiding their stuff. Hello? They want to be in the backyard without having to deal with you. So you, if if you notice you're not getting those invitations, that's okay. Come on, what what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna start building some authentic communities where you can have some brothers and sisters in the body who will come over and play cards with you, and y'all ain't got to smoke weed and drink Jack Daniels. Hello, can I get a witness? All right, so so don't worry about it. You're gonna be all right. When you, here's what I, here's what I've learned. When you learn who you are in Christ when you learn, amen, about the power that's been invested in you, when you learn uh, about the giftings that have been placed inside of you, when you know who you are and whose you are, you ain't worried about who don't like you and who don't want you to be around. So just Come on, come on! We got to build some 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 biblical character and self esteem in some of us believers. Because you're going around and being sad because people don't want to hang out with you because you stop gossiping about the church. Hello, now they don't want to invite you over because you don't you don't chime in with them when they start talking about the pastor and the rest of the members. Amen. You're not you're not fun to be around because you're not a gossiper any longer. See, that's more sin than than adultery and stealing. Hello? Talking about people is a sin. Hello? Not extending unforg- forgiveness, not extending forgiveness is a sin. Being ugly to people <laughs> is a sin. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so, so remember those, remember those three, three forms. He comes as a subtle serpent, as an angel of light. And as a roaring lion. So, so number one, if, if, if we're going to be effective in dealing with him, in other words, be conscious of him. Have a consciousness of the fact that we do face a real devil. Be conscious of him. Because if you're not alert, if you're not prayed up, if you're not worded up, then he can be dangerous. Amen. Make no mistake about it. Satan is a dangerous enemy. We must be sober and have our minds under control when it comes to our conflict with Satan. That's why I don't want to put anything in my body that's going to cause my mental capacity to be distorted. I don't want anything in my body that's going to cause me not to be alert and sharp when it comes to, to, be, to, 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 to looking out for the attack of the enemy. Because the very moment then I start, you know, give, give me a little drink that kind of just calm my nerves. That's the very moment that the enemy is going to come and mess some stuff up. Can I get a witness? So you don't want, you don't want anything that's going, to, that's going to diminish your capacity to make a good quality biblical decision about whatever it is you're dealing with. That's what I believe. I want to be alert. I I want. I want to take the advice of Proverbs. It says, "Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise." If I don't take it, I can't be deceived by it. All right. Got enough enough foolishness going on right now with you drinking. Okay. Just come on. Come on. Now watch. Watch this. A part of. Go back to First Peter again. Look look what it says here. Uh, verse number 10. Let's read it. No, I'm sorry. Go, go go back to verse number uh, 8 from right quick. So stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Who's your enemy? Who is your enemy? Your enemy is not your boyfriend's new girlfriend. Can I talk to my millennials over there? Did I say that right? Your enemy... It's not your boyfriend's new girlfriend, girls. She didn't take him from you because if she got him now, that means you didn't have it. Are y'all with me? So why are you going scratching her car and busting the window out of her car? That's foolishness to me. Amen. She ain't the problem. He the problem. Hello? You married? Why are you gonna go over to that woman's house that your husband messing with? She ain't the problem. He's the problem. You married to him. And you over there fighting, going to jail. Because, baby, she didn't tie him down and make him do what he did. (laughs) He did it with his own volition. So we got to stop some of this food. We got to get our minds right. Stay alert. Are you with me? Stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert. Everybody say stay alert. Okay. Stay alert. In other words, we got to make sure we get in a position. So, So stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. All right. So be conscious of him. He is dangerous. But guess what? You have the power in you to overcome anything he throws your way. All y'all listen, listen to me today. Second thing I want you to write down. Recognize him. Not only should you be conscious of him because he's dangerous, but we need to recognize him because he's a pretender. Everybody say pretender. Go over to John, the eight chapter, verse number 44. Y'all know this but I want y'all to see this again and I'm going to let you get out of here, okay? So so if I'm going to cast my cares upon him before he cares for me, I got to recognize who my enemy is. I also got to recognize the power that's invested in God's word. The power that he invested in his word. Scripture says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The Word became flesh. Come on, and dwelt among men. That same Word went to the cross of Calvary, was crucified, buried, and resurrected, with all power in heaven and earth in His hand, and He delegated that power to you and I. That Word, Amen, is you know, Jesus in the Word, a One and the Same. So I got to, I got to, I got to trust that what God says and reveals in his word is true. And when I can trust in his word and not only, here's how you know you're in it. When you start to govern your decisioning based on what the principles and the commands of God's word says. If you don't govern your life and your decision about his word, you don't really believe it. You do not believe it. I don't care what you say. You don't believe it. If you believe this word, if I believe this word, then I'm going to govern my decision based off of what this word says. Are you with me? Look at John 8, 8 and 44. He says, For you are the children of your father, the devil. Jesus talking here. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Y'all know any people like this? I know some folks right now that, that's in high office. They just lie. I was I was talking to uh, Pastor Greg Hudson uh, on last night, and I and I asked him. I said, I said, Greg, uh, uh, I know he should do a lot of political commentating, and and when he, and I said, well, uh, what, Are you going to jump back in? They said he said, Man, he said right now uh, I'm working on my doctoral degree, but I, I'm pulling away from that. He said, he said, but one of the reason why I pulled away from that is he says. He says, you can't, you know, when, when politics, you're trying to debate a policy or whatever, he says, you can't debate a person who won't acknowledge facts. <laughs> when now, what is truth is not truth, and you declare it to be fake to the point to where you don't even know what truth is now. He so said, you can't debate a person who won't acknowledge a fact. It is a fact. This carpet is blue. Oh, y'all listen to me. But if, if you insist that it's red and we keep saying it's blue, how am I going, how are we going to have a, 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 a discord when you, you won't even acknowledge the fact that this carpet is blue? You keep saying it's red. I'm looking at it knowing it's blue. Everybody out here looking at it knowing it's blue. But you keep saying it's red. Can't deal with you? can't have an honest discourse if you won't acknowledge that two plus two equals four so so uh, the enemy has a way of spreading lies, and he'll have you believing lies. The text says this: he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he's a liar and the father lies. Now guys, as, as, as believers, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have a, a, a reputation for being liars. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to say this and, 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 and I hope you hear my heart. Well, I'm just, just going to say it. I promise you <laughs> that <laughs> y'all always laugh and say, hear my heart. That means somebody finna tell you off, is it? Just know my heart. Know I love you. That means they finna blast you. No, I'm not gonna blast you. But since you've been saved, you probably told a lie. Probably within the last couple of weeks, you probably told a, a lie. A little, you know, we call them little white lies, but really, they little, there ain't no little white lies. A lie is a lie is a lie. That was probably something that somebody wanted you to do. You didn't really want to do it, So, you pretended like you had something else to do. Everybody say that's a lie? lie. And and you were not spiritually mature enough or bold enough to just say, listen, I I really don't want to do that. Or I have some, no, we'll say, I have some other things going. When in actuality, we're sitting at home watching TV. Right? How many of y'all have your children? Lie for you. Oh, no, oh, oh, oh. Your child had never picked up the phone. (laughs) And you told him to tell him. Tell him I hear. Rather than just saying, you know, "I I can't talk right now. All right. I'll get back to you. And if you if you, if you tell me you'll get back to him, please get back to him. One of my pet peeves is 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 to say that I'm going to respond to somebody and don't respond. You know, I it's something just, you know, just drives me when I don't I don't know what I, I want to be a man of integrity. OK, so if I tell you, I'm going to call you back. It may be late in the day. It may be the next day, but I'm going to call you back. I'm not going to just ignore you. Because to me, that says something about my character and my integrity. If I say, I'm going to call you back, okay? So, so don't, in other words, we don't want to become liars because so the, the devil is the father of lies. And he the text says it, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. You know, Christians should be known, we should not be known as, as, as people who are, who are not uh, truth tellers. We, we want to be truth tellers, okay? All right, so watch this. So recognize him. He is a pretender. Go to Second Corinthians eleven chapter verse thirteen with me, right quick. Second Corinthians eleven chapter verse number thirteen to fifteen. We, I think we just look, look at this, but I want you to remember. This. According to the parable of the taxes, wherever God plants a true Christian, Satan seeks to plant a counterfeit Christian. Y'all remember that? And he would he would actually deceive us were it not for the word, Amen, of God and the Spirit of God. The enemy is very clever. Okay, all right. So he says. Now, watch this. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 11, 13. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Watch this. But I'm not surprised. Paul said I'm not surprised that there are people who c- claim to be apostles of Christ, but they're really of the, of the devil. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan does what? Disguises himself as as an angel of light. I told you earlier, that's one of the forms he comes in It's as an angel of light. Everybody that looks like they're preaching Jesus ain't preaching Jesus. All right. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Verse 15. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. There are people who are part of our churches who look like they're doing God's work, but in reality, they're just, ain't, they're, just they're just demonic spirits clothed uh, as an angel of light. Okay, so now we gotta be on guard because again, when we not we don't recognize this, the enemy will discourage us, and he will get us to the point to where we're not confident in casting our cares upon the Lord and knowing that He cares for us. Amen. And He will carry those burdens for us. Okay. Now, lastly. I said this, uh, f- first thing I told you about the enemy, we got to do what? We got to do what? We got to be conscious of him, okay? Because he's dangerous. Be conscious of him. We, it's a very, very real enemy, amen? But, but and even with that, though, everything that we deal with ain't the devil. Y'all understand that, right? Some stuff is just life. Your hot water tank went out. You had that thing for 15 years. That ain't the devil. It just stuff don't last always. Y'all know those kind of folk, don't you? Oh, child, my hot water tank, tank went out. The devil is a liar. No, it's 35 years old. It wore out. Anything that man makes will eventually wear out. So everything is not a spiritual warfare. Some stuff is just life. Amen. So so don't don't be don't be overly, you know. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know those kind of folks? See the devil in everything. The little child didn't win the the the, the contest at school. That's your grandbaby. The devil is busy. No, the little baby just the other one just sang a little bit better than they did, okay? It's not the devil. Be conscious of him, recognize him, and lastly, here's what we got to do, guys, because he's coming. I'm telling you right now, he's coming. We got to resist him. We have to resist him. Everybody say resist him. You guys know that, and, and that's what Jesus did in the temptation in the wilderness. Now, if, when we get, put ourselves in a position where we recognize him, and uh, put ourselves in a position where, again, where we, we, we're conscious of him, we recognize him, and then we resist him, then then now he's got to flee according to the Bible. But that fleeing is predicated on something. Go back to James, and I'm, I'm closing on this. James, the fourth chapter again. Here's what we got to remember. Because some of us are having trouble getting the devil to flee. But the reason why is we had not did the first part of this this verse. I think it's James, the fourth chapter. Is that where we want to go? Yeah, verse seven. So humble yourselves before God. You got to do that first. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The first part, it says, humble yourselves before God. And that's what that's what Bible study, that's what teaching about spiritual principles is all about. Putting us in a position to where we humble ourselves. God is looking for humility in the hearts and minds of the believers. And when we can get rid of our pride, that sinful pride, and submit ourselves to the will of God, the text says we can resist the devil and he's got to flee from us. He's got to get out. Now, he'll come back, but guess what? when you stand strong and when you learn how to do spiritual warfare, he'll stop come trying to come to your house and he'll keep coming. But guess what? He, he, he he's going to hate it when you get up in the morning. Cause he's going to say there, man, I tell you what that dude there, that lady right there, she keep praying all the time. She, she doing spiritual warfare. She's speaking other tongues. she, she binding demonic spirits. She getting folks saved and, and and discipling them and helping transform families and and transforming communities. I, I just I just wish I could do something to it, but I can't. Cause God got a hedge around us, just like He did Job. She's standing in faith and believing God for the supernatural. Amen. Those are the kind of warriors that God wants in His body. Amen. He wants us to be in a position where we can cast all of our cares upon Him. Know who we're dealing with. Because he certainly cares for us, y'all. And 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 that casting involves trusting. You got to trust him because you're not going to give it to him if you don't trust him, right? You're not gonna You're not gonna turn something precious over to somebody who you don't trust and believe in them, right? So so God says your, your trust in me is going to be manifested in, in whether or not you cast your cares upon me. Amen. The enemy's going to come and try to prevent you, but let's let's be strong and let's learn how to throw it over on Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.